prepared to be a medical missionary to China. However, God closed the door to China. The opium war was taking place in China, and, well, it was impossible for Livingston to enter the country. It was at this time that Livingston became acquainted with Robert Moffat, a great missionary to South Africa, and the man who said, Oh, that I had a thousand lives and a thousand bodies. All should be devoted to preach Christ to these benighted people. Robert Moffat encouraged Livingston to make Africa the field of his labors. And this is what Livingston did. Livingston was the first white man to set foot in many parts of Africa. He traveled some 30,000 miles. His remarkable travels from 1851 to 1856 included his walk across Africa from west to east. He was a noted explorer and scientist, but most of all, he had a burning desire to bring the gospel message to lost men. He was willing to go anywhere provided it be forwarded. At one point, news reached the United States that Livingston had disappeared in Africa. By this time, Livingston had become quite well known. A large American newspaper sent a special reporter to go to Africa and search for him, Henry Stanley. He traveled for thousands of miles through African jungle to finally find Livingston on the very, in the very heart of Africa. And there in the very heart of Africa, he was preaching the gospel. The American reporter was the first white man Livingston had seen for years after spending four months with the doctor. Stanley wrote these words. I went to Africa as prejudiced as the biggest atheist in London. But there came a long time for reflection. I saw this solitary old man there and asked myself, how on earth does he stay here? What is it that inspires him? For months I found myself wondering at the old man carrying out all that was said in the Bible. But little by little my sympathy was aroused. Seeing his piety, his gentleness, his zeal, his earnestness, I was converted by him although he had not tried to do it. It was not Livingston's preaching which converted me. It was Livingston's living. Livingston and Stanley began a friendship, and after Livingston's death, it was Stanley who continued with Livingston's work. David Livingston died in Africa on April the 30th, 1873, after a very long illness. His body was sent back to England, where he was buried in Westminster Abbey. But his heart was buried in the country for which he gave his life. to dry that young girl. 
her starving child. She has no shelter from the cold. Earthly provisions will ease their suffering. Field, Lord, I'll give the gospel to these suffering ones. I'll go wherever you want me to go. Lord, please bury my heart. Will you ignore these lost souls in the Praise the Lord. I love it. I, the music here has been wonderful. Hallelujah to God. I've enjoyed that. And I love how you people jam for the lamb. Amen. So I appreciate that so much. And uh, thank God. I, uh, I want to be very brief tonight. I, I was told to get out of here at uh, 6 o'clock is when we need to be done. And that gives me 20 minutes is when I need to try to shoot for. And, uh, and so, okay, we'll, we'll just be as brief as we can. I know that uh, one of the great motivators to keep a Baptist preacher short is food. Amen. So looking forward to that. Uh, when I go to these international dinners, I always go to the Mexican section. Amen. Because I love Mexican food. And if you don't like Mexican food, then take me off your list too. Amen. And that'll be fine. I want to give you a challenge tonight out of Acts chapter number 2, if we will, for just a moment. And, uh, and that'll be wonderful. I, I was speaking to your preacher the other day, and God really has shown me a lot in the life of the Apostle Peter. And I just want to give a brief overview of this and kind of just give you the thought that God is showing me. And um, I see here in the life of the Apostle Peter, basically, I see two sides of this man I, uh, I see here in Acts chapter 2 that something happened in his life spiritually. And uh, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 verse 1, the Bible says on the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came, from, uh, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it, all, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, 
and it sat upon each of them. Now, the careful Bible student will notice that this was uh, this was not some sort of uh, some sort of emotional experience. This was a sign gift to the Jews, if you will. Uh, tongues was not somebody standing up saying "ha blah 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 blah." That's not what it was. Okay, and so get that out of your mind. That's not what it was. Tongues was a gift where a person will get up and speak like the, the apostles. They would speak in Hebrew, Aramaic, or maybe some Greek or something like that. And the people that were there who did not speak those languages would understand what, what was being preached in their own language. That's, that's what tongues was. It wasn't just a bunch of Pentecostals going around saying, all that kind of stuff, you know, all that nonsense. Sounded like the Micro Machines commercials I used to hear as a kid. Amen. And uh, so some of you got that. Amen. That's not what it was. As a matter of fact, look in verse number 8. The Bible says... And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? So that proves all that right there, what I'm saying to you. That's what tongues was. But look at verse number 4. The Bible says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. That was the first time in the New Testament that believers were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And I, I'm preparing a message, and I'll just give you the brief overview of it. And I want to just give you the, the title of it, if you will. I'll pray for just a moment, and then I ask God to help us to speak to our hearts. Uh, the title of this is A Tale of Two Peters. A Tale of Two Peters. And something changed in his life in Pentecost, and I think it's something that needs to happen in all of our lives, if you will. And uh, let's pray to ask God to help us. Father, I love you. Bless now these thoughts, and uh, speak to our hearts, and uh, do a great work in my life, and do great work in the lives of these people. God, we pray for clarity of thought, help our mind to think clearly, mouth to speak clearly. And God, I pray that you would just challenge us and, and conform us and change us. And that, Lord, please fill us with the Holy Spirit of God so that we can operate in the power of the Spirit and operate the way you want us to operate in this lifetime. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, I, I, I've been studying the life of Peter, and uh, Peter was basically, uh, he was a brash human being. I wrote down several things about Peter. Uh, Peter was an angry man. He, he attacked somebody with a sword uh, when they tried to take away Jesus. How cool is that? I mean, awesome. You know, I, I, we live in a soft society today that's becoming more and more European as the, ta- as the days go on. Uh, can I tell you, I, I kind of like a guy like that, but uh, Peter was a brash, angry guy. Um, he was covetous, but also in some cases, Peter was a coward. When, uh, they, when he was by the fire after, the, after they took Jesus, he denied the Lord three times. He was a coward. Uh, he was begrudging. He was boastful. He was brash. And um, matter of fact, I would say that Peter was actually a very unstable Christian. You do know and notice that after the crucifixion, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ... The Apostle Peter, after having seen those things with his own eyes, got backslid on God and walked away and went back to fishing. Now, you would say, how could a person ever do that? I think a lot of Christians do that. They do that kind of stuff. But something happened in Peter's life where he became almost, in a sense, a new man. I would say this to you today, that there's a difference between being saved and being a spiritual, spirit-filled Christian. There's a difference between being indwelt in by the Holy Spirit and endued with power from on high. And I'm afraid that a lot of Christians do not understand this concept and uh, do not ha- have not had this happen in their life. 
We cannot just be saved. We have to be spirit-filled. Ephesians 5.25, And be not drunk with wine, uh, wearing his excess, uh, but be ye filled with the Spirit of God. That's what you need to be, and that's what I need to be. And can I tell you today that the world has not heard about Christ because the church is not filled with Christ. I want to remind you that there's a story of the church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter number 3, where the Lord is knocking on the door of that church. And he's not even in the midst of them. They're having church inside of a building, if you will, and Jesus isn't even in the midst. And I think a lot of us operate that way in our daily life, and I think a lot of churches are operating that way. We're we're having church about the Lord without the Lord. And it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. You know it's it's right, too. You know it's right. And I see here, if I will, uh, I see here, matter of fact, flip back to Luke chapter 24. I want you to see this. This is the very last few verses of the book of Luke. We find here what the Lord gave, and He gave the Great Commission. I read this the other night in verse 46 through 48, but verse 49 is, is where the Great Commission all begins in a church. It doesn't, it doesn't begin by going, it begins by waiting. Verse 49 of Luke 24 says, And behold, I send you, uh, send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. I think a lot of Baptist churches are like uh, the, the, the guys that got saved in the book of Acts. We had not heard that there be any Holy Ghost. Amen. And, uh, and so I want to say that there's a difference between being indwelt with the Holy Spirit and being endued with power from on high. Go back to Acts chapter 2. We see here in verse number 4 that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Now I noticed something in the life of the Apostle Peter. I noticed very quickly that the Apostle Peter, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, when he was endued with power from on high, that he was a completely different human being that he was before. I see that. And I'm going to give you a few things here. Just I'll give you five things real quick, uh, and then we'll go stuff fried chicken in our face. Amen. I, uh, I want to go put some queso in my face Amen. And that's going to be good. Uh, but the first thing I see, the first area in Peter's life where he was changed was, number one, in his courage, in his courage, you notice that uh, before this, he, he stood before a crowd of people and they said, Hey, you're that Galilean guy that spent all that time with Jesus and he denied the Lord, denied him, said, Nope, I don't know him, I don't know him, nope, don't know him. But look in Acts chapter 2 and uh, the end of, uh, end of the chapter there, excuse me, uh, let's go back here um, and uh, let's see here, look in verse number 14. These, these people are going around and they're speaking and preaching and this great crowd gets together and, uh, and it says in verse number 14, the spokesman that stood up before this entire crowd to identify and clarify what was happening, look what it says in verse 14, it says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Can I tell you, the Bible says, The wicked fleeth when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Uh, can I tell you today, people today often are very cowardice and very cowardly and very timid because they've never been filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Can I tell you something changed in Peter's life where he wasn't afraid anymore to take it on. And, and you hear presentations and I hear presentations 
temptations like the one the brother did just a minute ago where he's saying, I'm going to go to this part of the world. And you think to myself, that's crazy. Why would somebody do something so crazy like that? Well, I know that God's done a work in a man's heart to the point where he says, it doesn't matter anymore. I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to face the scorn. I'm willing to do what I have to do because people need the Lord and I don't care what it costs me today. We live in a very posh society where we don't want to be... The worst thing that could ever happen to us today is somebody think, think poorly of us. Can I tell you today they thought poorly of Jesus? He said, marvel not if the world hates you. For just remember that they hated me first. And you've got to just remember, they, it's not that they hate you. It's that they hate the Lord and they hate holiness and they hate righteousness. And you are the representation of that in their lives. So you can't take it personal. I'm telling you today, a spirit-filled Christian will become a courageous Christian. Let me say number two, God not only helped him in his courage, but God helped him in his consistency. His consistency. Go to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. The Bible says, and they, they including Peter, the Bible says they continued, what's that next word, church? Steadfastly. You know what, you know what it was? You know what Peter was? Peter was like this. Peter was like this. This, this is a timeline of Peter's Christian life. He was up, he was down. He's up. He's down. He was like a roller coaster at Six Flags or wherever. I mean, he was up, he was down, he was up, he was down. But when he got spirit-filled, man, he was consistent. I see a lot of inconsistencies in churches today. I mean, I see a lot of folks, man, I mean, they're there on Sunday morning and they'll be there on Sunday night if the weather's good or if they feel good. But can I tell you, we need some folks that will just be consistent steadfast, unmovable, of always abounding in the work of the Lord. And you can't do that apart from the power of the Holy Spirit of God in your life. You can't do that. You just can't do it. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Uh, can I say that uh, Peter, uh, when, he, when he, before he was filled with the Holy Spirit, I want you to notice some of the things he saw. He saw the miracles of Jesus. He saw those with his own eyes. He was there. He saw the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw Jesus Christ glorified and Moses and, and Elijah sitting there. He saw all those things. Uh, he walked on the water personally. He was in the inner circle with James and John. He caught fishes at the Lord's command. He saw maidens healed. He actually sat at the very feet of Jesus Christ and heard Jesus Christ physically speak. And he was one of the guys who actually laid his own eyes upon an empty tomb with a folded cloth on the inside but even after all that he got backslid but what changed what changed the power of the Holy Spirit of God working through this man is what changed and can I tell you today, that's what we need. We need that so desperately. We need that so desperately. We need folks to get full of God and full of the Holy Spirit and be, and be endued with power from on high. And that's the only way that this is going to work. Am I helping you tonight? I would say number three, he was helped in his courage. He was helped in his consistency. But he was also helped in his compassion. Look what it says in uh, chapter 3 of the book of Acts. It says, um, and uh, they were going to the temple there. It says in uh, verse number 2 of Acts chapter 3, And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask an alms. So basically, this man's a beggar. He's crippled. He's outside the temple. And uh, James and Peter, or excuse me, uh, John and Peter are about to walk into the temple. And this man reaches out and says, Sir, can you help me? Can you help me, please? Now notice what he says here. Verse number 4, And Peter, fastening his eyes on him, 
uh, his eyes upon him with John said, Look on us. And so he turned away from what he was doing to try to help a man. Can I tell you, before this, Peter was a very selfish man. Uh, matter of fact, I want to give you, remind you of a story in, uh, in the uh, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 6 of the book of Mark that uh, Jesus went up into a mountain to take his disciples to pray. And after a while, they noticed that there's a great multitude of people following them. And the Bible says that the disciples said to the Lord, said, Lord, it's late in the day and these people are sick and they're weak and we're so far out, they're not going to be able to make it back. Lord, send these people away. Basically what the, the disciples were saying to the Lord Jesus is, these people are getting on our nerves. Get rid of them. We, we, we can't deal with these, these problem people, these mess of a people. And really, in a sense, that sounds heartless and cruel. But can I tell you, apart from the Spirit of God, we're all that way. You're that way too. You're that way too. When somebody walks into church and they got, they, they're carrying baggage with them, if you will. And thank God I was one of those when I was a teenager. But a bunch of Spirit-filled people had compassion and loved me, and loved people. And you say, well, how am I supposed to love people the way I'm supposed to? You can't apart from the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God on your life. You just can't do it. I would remind you also, John chapter 18, that uh, Peter was the one who took the sword and chopped Malchus's ear off. Can I tell you, when a, when a person goes from being carnal to being a spirit-filled Christian, their opponents become their opportunities. Their problems become their prospects. And instead of combating the world, we try to convert the world. And try to, instead of trying to smite them, we try to save them. And instead of trying to go to war with them, we try to win them. And I tell you, we, we think of North Korea. I'm North Korea. We need to make a, I've heard preachers say stuff like, we need to make a parking lot out of North Korea and put a Disney World on top of it. There's, those are souls. They don't know any better. They don't know any better. Hear preachers preach about the Muslim world, and they say, "I just bomb them all." Or, you know, I hear politicians, especially Republicans, they get a lot of points in their in their polls by just saying, "Just bomb them, blow them all away." Can I tell you that souls for whom Christ died? You be careful with that talk. And listen, I, I, I'm I'm the most pro-war person you've ever met. I think, I mean, listen, I believe, I believe some folks, man, I just, I mean, I love it. I, boom, hallelujah. I mean, I'm for it, man. Y'all better be glad I'm not president. Amen. But I'm going to tell you something, we got to be careful with that because sometimes when we become spiritual, our opponents can become our opportunities. But look, in, uh, I'll give you number four real quick and then we'll be done. Some of you aren't listening anymore. I'm doing real good on time. I need to slow down. Amen. Hallelujah. But well, I forgot there's fried chicken. I'll keep it going. His courage, his consistency, his compassion changed. But let me say, number four, his charity changed. Look what it says there in verse number five of Acts chapter three. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have... Give I thee. Now, I want, you, I want you to notice something. Okay, hold your place right there in this passage of Scripture and flip back to Matthew chapter 19. I want you to see this. Flip back to Matthew chapter 19. All right, this is an unbelievable, unbelievable story. This is like the, the parable of the, uh, the, the or not the parable, but the story of the rich young ruler where he came to Jesus and all this kind of stuff. Um, and he gives a, the, a great illustration that's pretty common about the rich man, the, the, the camel through the eye of the needle and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
verse number 27 of Matthew 19. Look at this with me. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? He's saying, Lord, I give up my fishing business. What am I going to get out of this now? Lord, I give up my family. I give up my, my conveniences. I gave up everything. What, what am I getting out of this, Lord? Where, what am I going to get paid for doing this kind of stuff? And then go back to Acts chapter number 3. He wasn't saying, what shall I have? He's saying, but such as I have, give I thee. Can I tell you that when a person becomes spirit-filled, they're not really worried about what they're going to get anymore. They're worried about what they can give. I hear a lot of sales pitches in pulpits disguised as faith promise sermons. I really do. You, you may think that's mean of me to say that and critical of me. I hear a lot of sales pitches. If you give this, you can get more back. And you can have, listen, this is a no-lose prospect that you can have. Can I tell you today, I, I, spirit-filled people don't really care what they're going to get. It's not about me. It's not about what I can get. It's not about what I can get. It's about what I can give. What can I do to help people? And can I tell you, a spirit-filled person is the only way, being a spirit-filled person is the only way you can say this kind of stuff. Can I say that Peter, by being spirit-filled, went from being a consumer to a contributor? And he also went from being a taker to being a giver. I, I'm, I'm burdened about this because I'm, I think a lot of people today there's two types of Christians, okay? There's those who are using God, and there's those who let God use them. I want to say that again because I want you to get that. There's, there's two types of Christians, okay? There are those who are using God. God is your spare tire. Get you out of a mess that you find yourself in. And then there's those who are letting God use them. And the only way you can make that jump is by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and in your heart. I hope I'm making sense to you tonight. This is, the, this is where we need to go. We need to go from being Peter chopping people's ears off to Peter helping people and saying, Such as I have, give I thee. Whatever I can do, I'm going to do it. God changed him from his courage, from his consistency, from his compassion God helped him in his charity. But let me say, lastly, real quick, number five, God helped him in his commission. Go to me to Acts chapter 10. I want you to say, I want you to realize that uh, Peter was a very selfish man. Peter was one of the leaders of the church of Jerusalem. And I want you to realize the church of Jerusalem was very, very zealous about reaching people as long as they were Jews. <laughs> you do realize that, right? He was very zealous about reaching people as long as those people that he was reaching were just like him. I think a lot of churches are that way too. We love knocking doors in the rich neighborhoods. I, I know a lot of churches like that. We ain't going over there. But look what it says in Acts chapter 10. I want you to see this. Acts chapter 10. Um, he, he, he goes to pray. I'll just sum it up for you. He goes to pray in chapter 9, and God speaks to his heart. And um, look, look what it says, uh, verse 13 of Acts chapter 10. And there came a voice, a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him the second time, saying, What God hath cleansed that 
Call not thou common. Uh, and, and so basically God's trying to illustrate and communicate a point to Peter that God's, I'm going to start working in these unclean Gentiles. And I'm going to start making these unclean Gentiles clean. Go to uh, Acts chapter 10, verse number 44. He goes and, re- and, and speaks to a group of Gentiles and preaches the same thing that he's been preaching in Jerusalem to the Jews. He starts preaching that to the Gentiles. And verse number 44, the Bible says here of Acts chapter 10, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcisions which believed were astonished. Meaning this, these Jew people were astonished that these non-Jew people were getting saved. What's happening here? Look what it says. And as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Matter of fact, goes to Jerusalem, goes to a council, and uh, look what it says in Acts chapter 11, verse, uh, verse 17. Peter's summing up before a council of people in Jerusalem. And uh, Acts chapter 11, verse 17, For as much then as God gave them the like gift as He did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Verse 18, When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Can I tell you, God changed them in His courage, His consistency, his compassion, his charity, but God also changed him in his commission. He realized everybody needs this. There ain't a soul out there who does not need this. Everybody needs the gospel. They need the Holy Ghost. They need repentance unto life. Basically, everybody out there needs to be born again. And the only way a person can get there is by being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And by the way, you're not going to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God being a dirty vessel and being a disobedient vessel. And being a carnal vessel, you're not going to do that. And can I tell you today that that's what we need. We need folks who will make that jump. Can I tell you, I want to ask you just a question. Not, not really ask you necessarily what you're going to give in this coming days to this, this year's admissions. Uh, can I tell you, before you even consider that, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Is God working in your life? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you surrendered to His will no matter what His will is? If not... That's what we need to take care of first. We'll get that done and make God first. And once we make God first, everything else will just work out. I'm going to pray and then preach or whatever you want to do after this is fine with me. Father, I, I pray you take these little frail thoughts from this Bible and speak to my heart and do a work in my life, oh God. Help me to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I can be articulate. Lord, I've been to... Bible college and I've been trained to preach and trained to how to run ministries and trained to how to enunciate and articulate theology in front of crowds of people. But Lord, if I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit, all of that's for nothing. God, please help me. Help me, oh God. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I want to be endued with power from on high and I want to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit and I don't want to waste my life being religious in my flesh. Help this church to operate the same way and the people understand my voice to make the same decision that I'm going to be filled with the Holy Ghost and I don't want to waste my life operating in the flesh. We pray in Jesus' name.